0: Hello
1: again and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host Brian J. Kingsley and with me as always through the magic of the internet my friend Ben Rupel
2: Yeah I'm not really with you I'm more with you virtually, <laughs> It's like right? a virtual presence. <laughs> yeah. I feel you here but I can't see you. And, and Brian pray tell why are we not doing this in the same room in the studio today?
1: Because there's a global pandemic Ben. What? You're, yeah you're you and i are being responsible and uh, social distancing or physical distancing as they call it nowadays so i want weird i've been practicing so i've been practicing for this all
2: my life social distancing <laughs> i love it i'm gonna
1: miss it when it's gone i bet i tell you <laughs> going back to normal life what's normal how would i know i don't do uh, you we do well i don't have an excuse to just stay in my pajamas all day i hate that <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is like shelter in place. I'm like, oh, Tuesday, gotcha. <laughs>
2: how you? How you?
1: How you putting up with the social distancing, Brian? It's good, honestly. As far as uh, I go, this is pretty much normal. I see people very occasionally, and I talk to a lot of people over the internet. So this is just, you know, call me a gamer like yourself. This is just normal living.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not having. It's not taking a toll on me, my mental, my, my psyche too much. Right. Um the one good thing is that my—it sounds like your wife's doing a lot of work on the computer, teaching and stuff.
1: Yes, as a teacher, she's busting butt.
2: Yeah, she's doing on—she's on video conference with uh, with kids all the time, doing stuff. And then my wife's in the medical industry, so she is Woo. work as normal. Um, Probably more
1: work than normal. Yeah. But some people, man,
2: are <laughs> taking it well. Not but at all. We're
1: here for you guys every other Wednesday as we do to bring you another true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures in the law breaking. And this week is no different, COVID or not, we're gonna bring you another episode. Okay. I am excited.
2: And, well, and right. just Let's so hear. our audience knows.
1: <laughs> they're all listening
2: to the background music. Oh, yeah. I can't the way we have to do this on the on the internets here, I can't hear any of the background music, so when it comes to playing guest, the guest, I'm not going to get to hear my fun little music.
1: Ugh. no, no, you won't hear the magical m- melodic sounds of Kevin McLeod and the, uh, hustle song that he wrote for us. Uh, All right. but well, are you we're ready st- for the guest? but we're
2: still doing guest the guest.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're just okay. going to, you, you can pretend, uh, but you got like, I don't know two minutes right now you'll, you'll see the okay. little wave down there you see that wave that's your time oh
2: yeah okay. so we're starting I said, okay all right
1: guess the bum, guest
2: bum, 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 bum.
1: all right you're actually very close um you're never gonna get this this, this guy <laughs> all I'm, right you're not I mean, okay uh he's Italian <laughs> was maybe well right Ooh, no no guess Italian. not uh, Italian his name is Giuseppe do <laughs> you know any famous giuseppes i know a
2: guy named giuseppe he works do you really? for, yeah he, he's from sicily he works oh. for uh, uh the um royal oak uh, uh road commission street people water people you know like the the the, the 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 city
1: the public works
2: yeah public works and he makes wine in his bathtub or oh, wow. he makes wine he makes homemade wine it's great just bathtub wine huh yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I think they stomp it with his feet. I'm I, not kidding. I think. Wow. Not, uh, maybe I'm just re, uh, Lucille Ball. Okay, well, gonna, Giuseppe. I, I guess Giuseppe, Giuseppe then, Brian. Giuseppe.
1: All right. It is Giuseppe. Um, we're just mark that one up for for a win. Woo! We got your Ric Flair woo right there. You didn't hear? Yes. <laughs> all right. Born April eighth, sixteen ninety two. It's Giuseppe Tartini. Oh wow, he's sixteen ninety two. All right. Old. Yeah. All right. April eighth, sixteen ninety two, uh, born in Piran. It's the Republic of Venice. It's now called the Republic of Slovenia, as part of Czech Slovenia. How do you spell that? Spanish. Piran. Is that P I R A N Piran? Okay.
2: Yeah. No. I, oh, wasn't I a, thought you knew. Wasn't there a, a seltzer water or something?
1: Pirani. Pirani Pir- water. Perrier. Pir- Pir- Maybe that's. It. All right, that's probably it type of dog uh this dude's got some parents his name is uh, his dad's name is giantonio that's his dad and then catarina zigrando i like Come that on. name i like that catarina. name catarina. catarina uh giantonio was a native of florence italy and catarina was descended of one of the oldest aristocratic pyrenees families okay so you get some royalty coming up here. Let's talk about this place, Piran. Uh, it's a town in southwestern Slovenia off the, goal, uh, the Gulf of Paran in the Adriatic Sea. So it's kind of like a Gulf Coast town. Okay. Nice, and Medi- and, you know, not Mediterranean, but Mediterranean. So. But it's in Italy, right? It is now in Slovenia. So it's kind of, um, if you jump from Italy, go across the ocean, that's kind of where it is. Oh, okay. All right. All right. We're not on the boot. No, 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 no. Okay. No across the sea from the boot is from what i saw uh the town uh, has got a bunch of medieval architecture like the narrow streets and the compact houses and stuff and the name of the town probably originates from the greek word pyros which means red because they had this reddish flesh stone everywhere okay why are you wow, supposed the flesh stone i go yeah it's a sequence of sedimentary rock layers that uh, progress deep from waters um it's basically when it looks like the rocks are flowing down a hill, kind of thing, you know how they sort of line up in those sort of like almost straight rows? It kind of looks like a Tetris game, kind of. I didn't come here to listen about botany, Brian. You got it. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> From 1283 to 1797, the town became part of the Republic of Venice. Um, it was governed by, in a semi autonomous way, they had a council of local noblemen and a bunch of Venetian delegates. Um, they had cool things like pirates would come to town and they'd fight them off in the Middle Ages. It's like one of those towns, those old towns, you know, old Venetian towns.
2: And they're all being ran by the rich aristocrats in that town. Correct. That's yeah, no different than
1: today around here, is it? No. Much like today, <laughs> a great pestilence hit the town in 1585, killing about two-thirds of the population. Well, we well, got a little taste of that going on here, don't we? Topical. I can relate. Uh, the last decades of Venetian rule were marked by decadence. Because they are competing with this Austrian port town of Trist, and uh, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this time when it's just like the massive uh, opulence and and greed and sort of you know you know just rich people. It's spending way too much money on shit you don't need. <laughs> yes, I've seen the Card-
2: I've seen the Kardashians.
1: Here you go. <laughs> um. All right. So we got this guy Giuseppe. Uh, Actually, Giuseppe that's III. a lie. I never, I've never watched <clears throat> any of that show. I've
2: never. Uh, not one time. I think I might watch them. Are they in, are they on Netflix yet?
1: Probably. I'll I, tell you a dark secret. I was deep into Kardashians like when they sort of first hit the scene. I'm like, these women are gorgeous. Oh my lord! And let's look at their daily life. And then you just find out that they they don't do anything. I mean, Kim Kardashian is famous. Why? Cause she's a porn star. That's how she got fame. I no thought- one remembers that part. <laughs> Nobody. Isn't she now a lawyer? Uh, she's trying to be. Yeah, she's yeah. freed more people from the federal penitentiary, I think, than any celebrity else out there.
2: Yeah, I think. I, I mean, that's notable. That's yeah,
1: that's do better. good work.
2: Yeah, I know. good job. Way to go. Great. From well, um,
1: from porn to lawyering. I
2: don't know which one's <laughs> worse, but
1: whatever. It's funny you say that. We're gonna get there in a minute because Tartini. I'm gonna start calling him Martini because that's just how I remembered it let's get to his childhood first real quick but then i'll tell you he does he pulls a kim kardashian it's funny how this all comes around <laughs> we did not plan this folks i did not i no. so all right in his childhood uh he begins his education in san Filippo neri oratorio in peron and okay. then he went to the college de Parde de Scoli p de copre these are all fancy things like if you were into violin or classical music you're like oh shit he went there I, one of my friends is a PhD in music, and he was telling me, he's like, who are you doing? What? That's what? And I'm like, yeah, Giuseppe. All right. um, let's see. He attended this parent academy, virtuoso. Um, basically, he went, you know, it's the 1600s. He had the smartest people teaching him stuff like music and art and literature.
2: Well, back then, it wasn't something. An education wasn't something that the masses would, would get. It was... Uh, no. Well, people with money, people in, in, in prestigious uh, areas of the world, you know. I mean, not everybody just got an education.
1: That, right. No, it was something that, I mean, you couldn't even aspire towards it. You either were set up for that with your family or you were a dirt peasant type And of
2: thing. And if you could get the education, you, you took it. I mean, it was, it was something that you wanted to have. Much like today,
1: it's the way out. All right. uh, His parents did not want him to be all the aristocratic stuff. They wanted him to be a Franciscan friar. Really? Yes. Why? I wonder why. I mean, I I, tell people about the Franciscan friars real quick. Well, they were like uh, uh, priests, weren't they? Yeah, what it is is the Franciscans end up kind of being like the merchant marines of the Catholic Church. They're the ones who do the commerce and stuff. They make the wine and the mead and, you know, they distribute it out to the abbeys and and all that stuff. But they do have like a religious thing that they sort of swear to, like, I'm going to be pious and chaste and all this stuff.
2: Yeah, and they were the guys on Monty Python that walked through the streets banging a board on their head. They were the uh, bring out
1: your dad (laughs) No, not that guy. Oh God, too close. And then
2: they were the guys in Robin Hood. Wasn't there Friar Tuck was on there?
1: Yeah, Friar Tuck is a Franciscan friar. Yeah, good example. And there's a Friar Tuck. And there's also yeah,
2: and there's also a group of dudes that still make some really good Belgian style beers.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the Trappist ales.
2: Yeah, so you know they're important. I like these guys. They're fat. That's cool. It's usually, usually That's jolly. Cool. Yeah, fat and happy. Yep. All right. Well, I think we got everybody caught up on what a what a friar is. Friar
1: is yeah. Uh, okay, so because he's learning to be a friar, he gets basic musical training. You know, like how to sing and how to like play pan flute and things like that. And he really <laughs> likes it. <laughs> the he's pan like, flute? Well, you said friar tuck, and I swear there's a pan flute scene in that Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Ah,
2: uh, I, I think of uh, what's the Zanzibar guy? Zan Zanfier. And his in the <laughs> and master of the pan flute. <laughs> All right, put that <laughs> on the awesome. watch watch <laughs> list right. for tonight.
1: Uh, so he's studying to be a friar. He learns about music. He's like, "This is awesome." So then he's like, "I don't want to be a friar anymore." Uh, and he studies law at the University Padua. Padua, P-a-d-u-a, Padua, Padua. It's Padua.
2: Padua or Padonia?
1: <laughs> it's an Italian university located in the city of Padua, Italy. All right. Now, this university was founded in 1222 as a law school. It's uh, the second oldest university in Italy and the world's fifth oldest surviving university. You can still go to the U.P. today. I used, wow, there
2: are universities from that far ago. From that far ago. From that long ago. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> they, huh. that's, isn't it, though? 1222,
1: wh- you're <laughs> like, huh. I wonder what their endowment funds are. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. Well, how small are the bathrooms? I mean, geez. <laughs> I got
2: to take a Padua number one.
1: <laughs> Notable people who attended UP. Um, there's a lady named Elena Carano Piscopia. She's the first woman uh, ever to receive a Doctor of Philosophy degree, like in the history of time. <laughs> she was number one. Number one. Alexandros Markadokadas, the Prime Minister of Greece. Okay. And then, uh, Vasilius, known as the founder of modern human anatomy, he was offered a professorship at Padua, but he died before he could start the job. Okay. And then finally, if you want a notable student to graduate from your college, it's got to be this guy, Nicholas Copernicus, mathematician and astronomer, astronomer, the guy who placed the sun at the center of the solar system and destroyed the church's belief system with science. He went there too. And gave us the joke. (laughs) All right, whatever, Copernicus. (laughs) Nice, Nice job, Copernicus now we're lost uh giuseppe goes to the same school now. okay See, he he went there he did study law but he also became a skilled fencer like sword fighting yeah. uh <laughs> so sidebar job so when
2: i first started my job that i'm in now what 15 years ago 16 whatever years ago um i was handed up a packet of of clients um all my customers i started out with a handful of them you know to get to kind of get up and running in sales right and so i got this list and i see that one is the detroit fencing uh detroit fencing it was called and i'm like oh okay these guys make fences they install fences in your yard you know picket fences wire fences whatever big fences for prisons i don't know what i'm getting into here so i go I, i i i go to the address and it's a small building and there's like, no sign on it. I'm like, well, this must be their office, I guess. I'm expecting to see, like, a construction yard with trucks and post hole diggers and I don't know what. And it was in this little tiny place in Ferndale. Um, So I walk in, and there's all these dudes. I mean, people with those full fencing <laughs> getting swords. And and, oh, yeah. and, and, and I mean, I couldn't have been more confused on what was going on. And then it clicked. It clicked. It was all of a sudden they're fuck. Oh, Fencing. fencing i get it i get that i get this
1: all right that's my that's my that's my only fencing story you may or may not know but i was a member of both the flint and Swords creek fencing club for about four years
2: oh, i remember you had that costume that's
1: i right. have a saber and a foil and the whole bit and i can uh do, i actually scored one point one point on this collegiate fencer because i about damn near fell down and i did like a flick Almost like a fishing rod cast with my sword, and it bent around and tapped him on the back of the shoulder before I fell down. And he's like, "Oh, you got a point! Oh, I scored to point on a fucking collegiate fencer! Sweet,
2: dude! I've watched those guys on the Olympics, and uh, that's that's some fast stuff. I can't, I can't see anything they're talking about. Yeah, just, all of a sudden and
1: that's the thing. When I when I was fencing, it was literally like a flick, flick. They just take the wrist, and they just like,
2: and you're like, oh god." Oh, nah. Yeah, in real life, I don't think that would have killed me if that was a real sword, but whatever, we'll give you a point.
1: Well, if you get a poke, I mean, you know, that's the thing with, it's not like slashing like a samurai sword, it's like a jab, like a poke So you said you had a foil and a what, saber? Saber. They're they're different. The foil is the little skinny one with kind of like the small, the small little disc on the handle, and then the saber's got like the hand guard that wraps around. When you saber fight, if you touch anybody anywhere, it's considered they're dead and it's a point. In foil, you gotta poke people like four or five times just in it's, the chest. It's <laughs> not pronounced saber; it's pronounced sabre. <laughs> like the hummus. All right, you ready? Yeah. Seventeen ten, age eighteen. Martini's father dies. Oh. But there's an upside. He can now marry the girl he likes. Oh. Yeah, this girl named Elisabetta Primazore. I, the, anytime we talk about like Italian stuff, we all
2: got this way we talk.
1: Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, always. Elisabetta Primazore. Uh, unfortunately, she is the favorite niece of Cardinal Giorgio Coronoro Gior- Corner. They call him Giorgio Corner. George George Corner. That's her uncle. Mr. George. Mr. George. Cardinal. Okay. B- sort of Cardinal Bishop of the area. Uh, he's a Roman Catholic Cardinal and a member of the. Coronoro family a patriarchal family of ancient rome founding members of the great council in 1172 <laughs> mafia uh he had eight oh, palaces I, I... on the grand canal in venice at different times no coughing okay
2: brian covered <laughs> yeah You're right to cover your
1: face with your <laughs> mafia uh they don't explicitly say that but you know he comes from a large powerful italian family from the old country That's... yeah that eventually has close ties with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you never know. Right? It all, it's all circular. It all right, gets there. Right. So, uh, oh, here's the deal. Martini's father would have disapproved of uh, Elisabita because she technically came from a lower social class than uh, the Tartinis did. Even though she had connections to some, uh, you know, family connections, she wasn't really as considered as classy on the scale of, of so- society. That's the words.
2: Yeah, because it was a class system. They had to have uh, the right people with the right people.
1: Apparently there is some type of age difference, too, that his dad didn't like, which I studied and looked for it. I couldn't find it. It makes me believe that uh, she was older than Giuseppe. So Ooh, cougar. Yeah, there you go. Cougar hunter. My wife's older than me. Not by much. Won't make that mistake again. Uh, Mart- <laughs> Martini and Elisabetta get married in secret. And then 1713, three years later, Elisabetta's uncle finds out, the mafia cardinal guy, about their marriage. And uh, he has Martini charged with abduction of his niece. I guess what? <laughs> if you're the ma- mafia, you make some rules up as you go. Hey, he, 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 I didn't say you could marry her. He abducted her. Um, cardinal Giorgio, there, George Corner tries to have uh, Martini arrested, but they can't find him. So what he did was he put on a disguise. He disguised himself as a monk, uh, you know, and then uh, flees the city. He still and had his outfit, his monk outfit in the closet. <laughs> he just—it's it. like uh, I just got to put the hood up, change the hair, and, and shove it from friar in the belly. Uh, eventually, he finds refuge in Assisi. Remember that Assisi? A, a Fran- is this is where the Francis of Assisi came from. Exactly. They, they, yep, right. There's there's Franciscan friars out there. So again, he hangs out with his church buddies and. Um, there he, he's a friar at the monastery in Assisi, hiding out from uh, George Corner, mafia mob. In Assisi, he begins to study the violin with Father Abomio and uh, plays in the Covenant or uh, the Convent Orchestra. So not a total loss. Got him on the Convent the best, Orchestra.
2: That sounds kinky. It does.
1: It says Convent Orchestra. After about two years in Assisi, Martini is recognized uh, by some visitors from padua his home city while he's playing they're like we're gonna introduce this guy to cc he's been here only a couple years i think you're really gonna like him martini and he goes up and plays and these people are like that guy looks like the guy who married the mob cousin and and and, hey hey you're not even supposed to be in here we i'm sorry my dog's scratching your neck cousin oh i thought
2: that was your wife showing you her new uh her new paparazzi bling
1: no. So,
2: uh,. Hey, you're not August- supposed to be in here. So he's, so playing. he's, he's playing. He's playing. playing and some on people stage. in the crowd recognize him.
1: Right. A curtain blew aside during the performance, and they're like, that's the guy. So, uh, he gets called out. But luckily, because he's so good at the violin, George Corner's like, I've heard good things about you. You, you can live. So he takes the death mark off of Martini. And,
2: oh, uh, so the mafia guy said he could live. Did he let him have his
1: wife back? He did. His wife is back with him also. Everything is forgiven. When, you know, when you're a talented musician or actor or celebrity, people let you do whatever they want. Different so. set of rules. Different. <laughs> it's it's just it. Everybody's like, why are all these celebrities getting the COVID test before
2: us? And it, I said, it's simple. They They're money. famous and have money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it? I think Kentucky was like, we have the lowest reported cases of uh, COVID out of the, every state. And some dude is like, yeah, nobody's tested anyone. <laughs> Well, I did see one meme
2: that says pretty low numbers. I'm going to have to cough on a rich person to see <laughs> and wait for their test to
1: come back <laughs> to see if I have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad plan. All right. Back in here in the world of 1716, uh, legend has it that when Tartini heard Francisco uh, Maria Versini's playing the violin, dude was like, that's the man. And I'm super impressed. And I suck. And so, with a desire to master the violin, he flees to Anaconia, and he locks himself alone in a room to practice for hours and hours and hours on the violin to get better. And I know some fellows from high school who did the exact same thing on the guitar. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I, I've thought about that. You know what one
2: man can do, another man can do, a line from the Edge um, movie. Ooh. But I, I've, I, I, I can make some noise on a guitar. I can't say that. I'm somewhat good at it even. But I've never been able to practice enough to even start to get good. And oh, yeah. it's not because I, I just couldn't do that. I couldn't lock myself, like you said, in a room for hours a day practicing. That's, that's, that's not worth it, man. I've not
1: worth. A couple of examples of that, but I'm not going to tell the one of the two kids who sold their soul to the devil, you know who you are. Uh, but I will go with my friend Pipes. And Pipes was just this uh, little skinny kid that we met in high school. We called him Pipes because he had super thin, tiny, like, pipe cleaner arms. And my buddy's like, wait, you got, a, got some nice pipes there, buddy. <laughs> he just, anyway, so... Pipes was trying to play the guitar, learned rhythm guitar pretty good. And then one summer, he literally just sat in his basement doing scales like, you know, playing single notes, doing chromatic chords and scales and whatnot. Next thing you know, he comes back that school year and that kid can shred. Can't play the same solo twice in a row, but dude could shred Yeah, the, I, I, uh, the, the tartini method here. Just lock yourself in a room and play your damn instrument. I'm not, not doing good. that. Not doing you know? it. All right. Uh, well, he was so good. He's like, you know what? I need something better than this. Uh, you know what? We're going to take a break actually. Um, so hold that right now. We're going to take a break. And what I've been doing is playing, uh, songs from my high school band and I'm going to play another one right now. I'm sure Ben loves this cause you can't hear it, but uh, <laughs> for everyone at home, we're going to take a little break real quick. And we're back. All right. What did you do with your break in isolation?
2: Uh, I, I didn't go outside and talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, our buddy, Matt, he went to, uh, he had to make a grocery trip, uh, store run today. He's been doing oh very good gosh. at staying isolated. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I had to go to Aldi. He goes, it was, it was a weird scene, man. Everybody was very quiet. Nobody was talking to anybody. He says, they had a, A two milk limit at Aldi's? Whoa. Yeah? He's like, uh, when did this when did when did milk become the new toilet paper? What the heck?
1: Dude, peanut butter. People must be wiping their ass with peanut butter and frozen pizzas, because every time I go anywhere around here, they're bare. Shelves are bare. Peanut Peanut butter well frozen pizzas.
2: I'll say this. Peanut butter does have a very, very long shelf life. Yeah. And yeah, I, I can't I can figure peanut I can figure out peanut butter better I can than toilet paper.
1: Oh what? I can't <laughs> I figure the toilet tr- paper thing that's out. That's true. Those two are not interchangeable, in case you've wondered.
2: Uh and and I should give a plug out to my company. We sell building maintenance and janitorial supplies. And we've had a warehouse of toilet paper forever. We've never ran even come close. We don't sell the kind that you buy like at the store for your own personal house. We
1: you sell, sell the one stuff ply.
2: No, we sell the stuff you get like by the case, where the case is is like the size of a dresser. You know, I mean,
1: oh, industrial, like a gross of toilet, a
2: hundred rolls of toilet paper in a box. I mean, we could have sold it, but we're like, no, we're, we're going to keep, hold on to that, and make sure our customers can get it. That's you know, we sell hand sanitizer that ran out a couple times.
1: You're not um, making your own?
2: N- no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, just wash your hands, people. You don't need so much hand sanitizer. That's just the thing.
1: All right, enough about that. Let's hear you about... Ready? Uh, what's his name? Giuseppe? Uh, Giuseppe. All right, well, much like other musicians in their 20s, uh, 17, 15, he's 23. What's his like last the- name? Giuseppe Tartini. Okay,
2: and you said Martini a couple times.
1: I've said it a couple times. Yeah, because
2: well, remember. you said that, and I'm like, that's weird, because I not only have a Giuseppe as a customer, one customer, a different customer, his last <laughs> name, and he's... he's He's been he's passed away since. Uh, his oh, last name was Martini, Lou well, Martini. That's a cool name.
1: As long as he's dead, Lou Martini is. Oh yeah,
2: kid. he was. A, he was a war. He, he fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He was a cool
1: dude. Wow, he's a badass. I've been fighting dude. In the Battle of the Bulge since I was about twelve. <laughs> well, poking at <laughs> my stomach. Nobody can see that. <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, so uh, Martini here's twenty three, and like most twenty three year olds and these musicians, he's like, I got to buy some new gear. So uh, he appears to be the first known owner of a violin created by Antonio Stradivari.
2: Yeah, so, I, I was going I was wondering if that was going to come up. There's still a couple of those in existence today. People
1: refurbishing well, this, them and playing them. And stuff. This one, this actual violin that uh, Martini had, um, uh, Stradivarius, he used it for a while. He later gave it to his student Salvini, and then Salvini gives it to this Polish composer and virtuoso violinist, Karol Lipinski. Upon hearing him perform, and so now the violin is known as the Lipinski Stradivarius. Oh, really? So it's out there. You could go play that. A violin from 1715. You well, could I, play today. I don't think they'd let us play it. No, probably not. No, big we're not allowed to touch it. I got big hands. All right, so he is 1721, age 29. Uh, Giuseppe is appointed director of the orchestra in Basilica of St. Anthony's and Padua. Uh, we're gonna just sort of fly through here a little bit because he does a lot of stuff. Basically, he's a music virtuoso. I assume we've gotten that point across. Let's get to some crime. Come on, somebody shoots somebody. Well, he abducted his wife. Oh, I had that. Well, uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna get into why he's famous in just a minute. We'll get there. 1726, age 34. Martini is uh, started a violin school of his own, and he gets students from all over Europe. He's considered like you know the virtuoso guy. So let's go study with him. Um, while he's in his own school he becomes more interested in music theory like the theories of harmony and acoustics and less about performance so he's really starting to nerd out
2: nerd nerd out that's the
1: well term. that's people don't know it but back in the day and I'm not trying to you know paint a rosy picture like oh today's kids but back in the day like you got so nerded out. That's what made your band good. Like the guys who could play guitar and knew how to tweak the knobs on the amps and the, all those foot pedals and stuff like that. Like music nerd and stuff. Those are the guys who sounded really good. So they didn't concentrate just G C D. They actually were like, well you gotta have uh, your fuzz with your input delay, and then you gotta compress it, and then that goes out into the distortion. But you can't have the distortion and the wah pedal click together because then you'll get a, you know like. So if you actually know how all that stuff goes together, music nerds, you're gonna sound better. Nerds, nerds, and that's what Martini did. So he's getting into like the composition of it all, you know, like consonant chords and dissonant chords and all these sort of music theory stuff, you know. So, um, all of his uh, works are violin concerti's and violin sonatas. So he's pretty much just writing violin music. Um, they include some sacred works such as Miserere, which was composed between 1739 and 1741 at the request of Pope Clement the Twelfth.
2: Clement. We haven't had a Clement in a long time. No, we haven't. No, we've had a lot of Johns and this and that. We need a good Clement. i need a Clement back. Want
1: South American Pope. I think I, that'd be a good change.
2: I got a bunch of clementines downstairs. I figured those would last through the uh apocalypse for a while.
1: Oranges store real good.
2: Yeah, I didn't want to get
1: uh scurvy. Um speaking of things not going bad, Martini's music is problematic to the people studying it like the scholars and editors because he never put dates on his music. So he would also revise music that has already been published or finished years before, making it difficult to figure out when a piece was written, when it was revised, and to the extent of the revision. So he's doing like remixes and re-releases back in the 1700s. They're like, oh, this is the original piece. And he's like, no, I fixed it. Now we do it this way. Like, damn it, Giuseppe.
2: Yeah, well, they do the same thing at church, Brian.
1: (laughs) That's true. (laughs)
2: They change, they change all the things you're supposed to be saying at church. They'll do that.
1: Just, they'll, they'll do that. Sit, stand, and kneel, man. That's what I got. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that.
2: But it wasn't important. It wasn't important to him. It was important to him to have good music. It wasn't important to, to catalog it, to date stand, no. time stand. Right. It wasn't whatever.
1: Didn't and it really doesn't matter because Martini's most famous work is called The Devil's Trill Sonata.
2: The Devil's Trill?
1: Yeah, I picked Giuseppe Tartini because he is known as a satanic composer. Here it is. The Devil's Trill Sonata is a solo violin sonata that requires a number of technically demanding double-stop trills and is still considered difficult even by today's standards. Typical performance lasts 15 minutes. Here's a story on the Devil's Trill Sonata. Martini allegedly told the French astronomer, Jérôme Landet, that he had a dream. Now, in this dream, the devil appears to him, and the devil asks to be Martini's servant and teacher. He's like, I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attend to all your needs, whatever you want. That's cool, but I want to play your violin, and I'm gonna teach you how I play the violin too. And so, at the end of the music lesson, Martini handed the the devil uh, the violin to test his skill, and then the devil takes it and he be- begins to play. And the devil, it's the devil, so he's awesome. He's got this virtuosity. He's got all intense and like just magnificent performance, right? Um, it was said so singularly beautiful and executed with such superior taste and precision was the devil's performance that Martini felt his breath taken away.
2: Well, isn't that a country song I've heard too?
1: Hold on. (laughs) Uh the complete story is told by Martini himself in Lande's voyage de un Francois in Italy. So the voyage of the French guy in Italy says quote One night in the year 1713, I dreamed I had made a pact with the devil for my soul. Everything went as I wished. My new servant anticipated my every desire. Among other things, I gave him a violin to see if he could play. How great was my astonishment on hearing the sonata so wonderful, so beautiful, played with such great art and intelligence as I have never, ever conceived in my boldest flights of fancy! I felt enraptured, transported, enchanted. My breath failed me, and I awoke. I immediately grasped my violin in order to retain, in part at least, the impression of my dream. In vain, the music which I, at this time, composed is indeed the best that I ever wrote, and I still call it the devil's trill, but the difference between it and that which so moved me is so great that I would have destroyed my instrument and I have said farewell to music forever, if it had been possible for me to live without the enjoyments it affords me. So, long story short, man, the devil played the violin so wicked in my dream that I shouldn't even play violin anymore, but they pay me a lot of money to do that, so I'm going to keep doing it.
2: I can't imagine this one over a row well a lot of clergy back in the day.
1: Hey, where'd you get that new song idea from? Well, the devil came to me in a dream last night and showed me how to play the violin. So yeah. now I'm going to play it for you guys. No, the devil's song. All
2: right, so do we get to hear this now?
1: All right, let's check out the, um, the Devil's Trill Sonata uh, now.
2: It reminds me of background music for like an old black and white movie that they couldn't have audio to. You know, they'd play it in a theater and then oh, just Oh, they, have...
1: the, they use it in the Italian job. Mark Wahlberg.
2: Uh, I don't think I saw... Did I see that? I don't think I saw it. Yeah,
1: there's violin music from the 1700s. I, th-
2: I don't want to diminish this for any violinists out there. I'm not, I've heard good violin and different violin. My daughter plays the violin. I feel like I could do this. They're just... (laughs) It's great.
1: I think those were the devil's trills.
2: Oh, it sounds like country music.
1: A little bit. Now, I'm only giving you three minutes of a 15-minute song. I'm not even sure I want three minutes, Brian. (laughs) I wondered. I only got uh, so far through it myself. I'm like, huh.
2: All right, does this pick up at all down the road?
1: No. But this was the satanic music that the clergy feared and people were like, oh, my God, he's possessed by Satan because of this song.
2: Yeah, he's the Jimi Hendrix of his day. All right, oh. are we good? Right, or
1: you're gonna fade it out? Yeah, let's fade this out. All right, we're good. We're good. That is the Devil's Trill Sonata, Giuseppe Tartini, and uh, revolutionary man. People thought he was possessed by Satan when he was like, "Yeah, the devil came to me in a dream," and said. So, all right, I know, I know you what you want to talk about, but we'll get there. Trust me. So, right now, we're just gonna say, mesmerized by the devil's brilliance and awe-inspiring play, Martini attempted to. Uh, I already told you that part. Ah, here we go. Nope, told you that part too. Okay, here we go. Martini is mentioned in Madame Blavatsky's The Insouled Violin. It's a short story included in the collection called Nightmare Tales, where she says, quote, Martini, Tartini, Tartini, the great composer and violinist uh, of the 8th century, was, I had to count up X-V-I-I-I, Um, was denounced as one who got his best inspiration from the evil one, with whom he was, it was said, a regular... uh, Oh, God. Let me try this again. (laughs) Well, they speak all Old Englishy, man. It's hard, so... That's what she (laughs) said. This is what she said. Quote, Martini, the great composer and violinist of the 8th century, was denounced as one who got his best inspiration from the evil one, with whom he was, it was said, in regular league. This accusation was, of course, due to the almost magical impression he produced upon his audiences, apparently with that song. Uh, He inspired performances on the violin... That secured him from his native country the title Master of Nations. The Sonata du Diable, also called Tartini's Dream, uh, as everyone who's heard it will be ready to testify, is the most weird melody ever heard or invented, hence the marvelous composition that has become the source of endless legends. Nor we... Nor were they entirely baseless, since it was he himself who was shown to have originated them. Tartini confessed to having written it an awakening from a dream in which he had heard his sonata performed by Satan for his benefit and in consequence of bargain made with his infernal majesty. And basically, like you're saying, it, this is another story instance where there's a deal with the devil, the crossroads, whatever. and modern variants are Roland Bowman's "The Devil's Violin," and the country song "The Devil went Down to Georgia."
2: is is the is that song inspired in some part by this story?
1: yeah basically this was the first instance um recorded, not I think in a Bible of where the somebody makes a deal with the devil for musical fame or specifically the violin
2: or fame in gen- well, I guess there's been probably a lot of stories about people giving in to the devil for something some worldly possession. But yeah, is, bargain. You're, you're saying this is the one for music or for,
1: well, for violins, the PBS segment on the violin uh, in their series, art was titled art of the violin, quote, the devil's instrument.
2: The violin is the devil's instrument.
1: That's what it sounds like to me. All right. I played kind the of. dial in for a little bit, you know, it just like every kid sort of stumbles in and out and, and it was hard.
2: It, that's what she, uh, no. So the violin <laughs> is just a small viola, which is just a small cello cello which is just a small bass i mean come on
1: yeah. it's easy
2: i i've never i can't understand the way the violin works with the strings right. it's like a guitar sorry I michelle
0: can, oh.
1: hey we michelle. can still do that
2: <laughs> we can still burp on what are you drinking water oh, man we don't have <laughs> so, any
1: <laughs> i'll can't. go get a beer right so i can go crack a beer no um speaking of not being prepared february 26 1770 age 78 tartini dies in padua after almost 50 years working at his school there um he has published experiments in acoustics instructional material and many 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 music compositions he had 62 manuscripts total um with compositions uh they're housed at the biblioteca Comunicale luciano brunacasa in Econa, kona italy if you want to go check them out and we have a quote from giuseppe tartini himself he said quote you play a pretty good fiddle son and i'll give the devil his due but i'll take that bet and you're gonna regret because i think i'm better than you giuseppe tartini everybody <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yeah quote
2: pulled right out of the history book it was so on his
1: tombstone
2: then. it's still yeah. on his tombstone yeah
1: I had to translate. You play a pretty good fiddle, son, from Italian. So I was, mm. <laughs> Google Translator.
2: That's well, th- this guy didn't have a ton of crime. I mean, he was wrongly accused of stealing his wife, uh, <laughs> <That's possible. laughs> and he made a deal with the devil, which I'm not sure is actually illegal. I don't,
1: I don't know. If I there's, don't think that is
2: illegal. I don't know if there's so you know whatever crime and music. But I did like <laughs> having an older. Uh, I, I like some of the ones that aren't like current, the, you know, go back a couple hundred years. I like, those, oh, yeah, yeah. Fun. You learn a little something. They're not as sensationalized as what we could deliver on current people, but they're definitely something you, you get to learn about. And some of the differences and some of the similarities from what you would hear from artists today and from artists 100, 200, 400 years ago are, it's kind of neat. That's cool. I like that part of
1: it. <laughs> nice. Hey, yeah. guess what? We actually have some feedback. Do you want
2: to hear some feedback? I don't have to hear the noise. Go ahead and hit the button all you want. I don't have to hear it. Well, I, s-
1: I can see it. I don't have yeah. to hear it. As long As, <laughs> as long as technical difficulties. <laughs>
2: feedback. No, I want to share that with our audience. So Brian and I there. are doing a Zoom visual thing. I can see his computer screen on my computer screen. And, and you know, computers are pretty smart these days. So Brian hits that feedback noise button on his, uh, his on his, on his um, little pad for noises he has and GarageBand picked it up as feedback and I saw a thing pop up on the computer screen GarageBand has detected feedback <laughs> that's good look at that computers oh, man. man all right, all right. What, what do we got for? we feedback? got some
1: feedback uh we got a review we have an, uh, an apple podcast review feel free to go to apple podcasts and give us a review just say hey i'm listening to this show five stars that would be great or anywhere you want to leave reviews stitcher uh, spotify all those places but this one is from uh fustoon okay. fustoon chai huh.
0: all right fustoon
1: chai uh love the content um, but it's so quiet. I have to turn it all the way up and still can't quite hear. Do more country artists.
2: <laughs> you know, in, in some of our earlier, uh, podcasts, um, the audio sounded good, but it was quiet. So we're, we're, yes. we're, we are working on, uh,
1: still trying our best to bring those levels up for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and it's hard because everybody's systems are a little different. I think when they're listening to us, but we're tuning, we're dialing it in for, a couple dudes with thirty dollars worth of microphone equipment in, the, in a basement. I think it sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, this whole studio was put together off of uh, eBay and Craigslist. So
2: yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> no, but well, thank that... you. F- fa- what fast, fast, fast? What, what was it?: Fest-
1: name? Fast Festoon tune chai. Fast Festoon Festoon chai. chai. I think it's somebody from Chicago. Okay.
2: Or China, they were all in the quarantines, you know, so maybe it was them. We actually
1: don't have one Chinese download, but I feel like that's more regional. Well,
2: we're not allowed on their internets. No. We're not allowed on, they have their own internets.
1: Well, because Ben's talking about China, it's kind of time for us to get going out of here. This week was fun and new and different. Did you Did you like it? I mean, this was okay.
2: Oh, right, I, we we I think it's it's a it's like we just started doing podcasting. We're just figuring out this uh, not being in the same room thing. So uh, not too bad. Pretty good.
1: I like it, and I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to say.
2: It's <laughs> it, it's it's this or nothing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I couldn't have nothing. We got it. We got, we tell people every other Wednesday and damn it. Sometimes I'll admit, I will admit sometimes it's a Friday or a Thursday late night, but uh, I try to get at least some type of content every other week for you. And I didn't want this one to be any different. So if you would share with a friend, tell your friends, go, Hey man, if you, get, if you're super bored and, and don't have anything else to do, listen to these guys, your life can't be as boring as them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, All right. I, Brian gets mad at me when I make fun of us. So there. He had, he I, had to right. get in there a little bit.
1: We'll switch in and what I'll do you, go self deprecating. Self
2: deprecating. There it is. Self
1: deprecation. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So, uh, what more? Do you want to sign off? Or what, are, you, are you ready? Do you have no, more I'm to good. say to the people? Rock and roll, good. baby boy. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the first uh, remote. Podcast that we've tried to let us know your thoughts and comments anywhere you get your podcast stitcher itunes uh thing go to our website it's funcrimeandmusic.com you can see some cool pictures leave us a voice message go down to our speak pipe we haven't had one of those in a while so check it out uh like the song says never trust a big butt and a smile
2: i don't know what to say from that in the same room and you're talking about butts now brian